Hello, my name's Ian Austin, and this is the last ever Friday Night Shudder. And it's coming off another very successful podcast special. So the last episode of this season will be kicking off in just a few seconds after the familiar tune of Buddy Holly. If you're on anchor, if you're not, just imagine that somebody Holly by Weez is playing. Okay, see you in a sec. Yes, it's true. Friday Night Shudder is ceasing to exist after this episode, but luckily it'll be replaced or relaunched rather as Friday Night Fright next Friday, so you won't miss any week's content. It's just, as I explained in a couple of the other episodes, I just feel like it's time to move on to a broad spectrum horror. That's something I'll get towards at the end of the episode. It's going to be a bit of a different episode to usual. The uh, first thing I really want to do is spend a few minutes talking about A Nightmare in the because I didn't actually discuss the what I thought of the movie in ter- overall in the last in the podcast special, which I thought it'd be nice to do over here. I love it. I think it's a great movie. I unironically think it's one of the best horror movies ever made, um, especially with that slasher Rook in the 80s. I think Halloween... Friday Night Street and I would say possibly Charles playing Hellraiser. They all had good. They all had good first movies, but this was one that just hit out block for me first time around. This and Halloween, but particularly because in based of the eighties horror movies that were like slasher orientated, this is by far the best. Freddy Krueger so iconic that Rob Englund replayed the played the role again last year I think in a sitcom called The Goldbergs which I've seen and which I will be mentioning at some point in the fran- in the later episodes and he did such a good job and he's iconic like they did Freddy Krueger homage on Simpsons and that was cutting edge like pop culture at the time and also the fact that Freddy Krueger's movies are sort of falling into cultural zeitgeist a bit between the point of when it stopped being quite as Known, I guess, in Simpsons. So, the fact they put reference in there is quite suggestive of how cool it is. It's in Treehouse Horror episode, and it also did reference and shine in the same episode. So, I think that says a lot. South Park, he's in episode South Park not too long ago. They did an Inception thing, and um, he was in it, so that's quite cool. And incidentally, that's part of what I'm going to be doing in this episode. I'm going to be. Um, spitballing some of my ideas for a <laughs> well no I'm gonna be making up a movie for um a Freddy Krueger sequel if you will so that'll be fun um but yeah I just want to spend a few minutes talking about it it's such a formative horror movie and I didn't see it until I was at university um <laughs> we had this uh cool thing at the time called Lime Wire, which is like a file sharing thing, and that's how I first saw Nightmare Industry. First time I saw it, I wasn't too enamoured by it. I thought it was good, but I thought it was also kind of silly. But as I've gotten older, I sort of embrace the fact that you're meant to think that. Freddy Krueger's a ridiculous character in love way. He's very scary, but very ridiculous and bored of villains, I said in the review. That's a lot of choices there were designed by Rob Englund, I'm sure. But he added a touch of surrealism and absurdity to the character. Just the nature of his runs and things like that. He's not terrifying as a physical specimen, although makeup's quite disgusting. He's terrifying, or terrifying because of speed or anything like that. He's terrifying because he literally controls the dreams. And he's also a slight goofy character. Imagine that's how Freddy Krueger was in real life. And it sort of plays off on how he is in de- after death. And especially compared to characters like Jason and Mike Myers. 
who were very much like um, silent killers, I guess you could say. Frey, a bit more personality to him, and that would come out more with stuff like Charles Play and Hayraiser. The sequels would pinhead more of Hayraiser, to be honest, but Chucky Charles Play is the same way. You take the idea of this man who's evil in life and make him something worse in death, and then, but then they amp up characteristics from life, like, and it creates this really interesting effect. And it's one of the reasons I'd love to see Chucky and Freddy in a movie together, because I think they play off each other brilliantly. But it's a really good movie, it's a really good performance, and don't think you can sleep on how good Heather Lamkamp is as Nancy. I mean, John Saxon does a lot of the lifting of the movie in terms of gravitas, but she is a star from Megan. And I was re- and it's really telling that best Nightmare on Street movies are ones with her in them. I think that's quite suggestive. And the idea of having a sequel with her, bring her back, do a Nightmare on Street sequel like Halloween, that'd be fantastic. I think reeling right hands. Shame Wes Craven's not around you know, to unofficially complete his trilogy. I know he's involved with the third one in a way, but it would be great to have three written and directed by... Wes Craven, Nightmare on Street movies, but there you go. Anyway, just a little wrap up my thoughts on it. I highly recommend it. Um, if if you haven't seen it, hopefully I didn't put you off with the review, but I really enjoyed it, and I'm pumped for next year. It's um the second one is not as good a movie, but it's one of the most fun movies I've ever seen, and I know I keep saying this, I'm gonna try and wrangle some co-hosts for that one because. It's magical, which might mean it's recorded a lot out of sequence. Um, it might be recorded early next year. Probably will be recorded early next year, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it will definitely be ready, and I think you'll enjoy that one more. And I just want to guarantee you guys, I have a plan to get through all of the movies, but at very least it's year by year. So at very least, I'll do... Halloween 2 and Nightmare on Street 2 my guarantees and we'll have a few more specials throughout next year's way anyway that's enough about that it's time to make up a movie because it's the season finale in some ways series finale so I'll be back in a second <coughs> so this is this um, let's make up movie it's called Garden it's a bit different than the last ones this is an idea I've had in my mind for a while and I'm just going to expunge some details for you now, so essentially this movie is set in 2019, let's say. The um, present day as of next year is obviously not going to be made, but if it was going to be made, it would be made now and it would be coming out next year. So, so it starts in January 2019 and we're at the first ever FreddyCon, which is a convention for Freddy Krueger. And uh, all of his exploits. It's kind of a small scale local town thing. Um, let's say it's based in Aunt New Ellsbury where I grew up. So it's at the Ellsbury um, like Gutman Sports Centre, their hall. It's a very small event, but people over the way they're there. And they're discussing the Nightmare on Street movies. Because in this universe, the movies exist. It's, it's kind of like our universe, not really. And there's these two guys, there's these two people walking around, rather. There's um, Gemma, who's a bobbly sort of bohemian type. And there's, um, that's Gemma Barr. And there's um, Ronnie Ack. And um, Ronnie Ack is basically, he's a soldier who's having a bit of a tough time at the moment. 
And Gemma's also a soldier. And they're just sort of hanging out and she's showing him around and he's very upset. And we flash back to the previous evening where he was in French restaurant with soft lighting. And he asked a woman named Vachon to marry him. And, um, yeah, it went a bit awkwardly. She went to the bathroom and the French waiter, um, uh, Monsoir, Monsoir Marseille, walked over and they were, him and Rongy were in on proposal and he was trying to get Rongy to speed up. And Rongy was like, it's not the right time, it's not the right time. So Monsoir Marseille was like, well, when is the right time? Which hit Rongy like path bricks. And then so Rongy decided when Vachon's back from the bathroom, he would propose there and then. In the bathroom, Vachon was doing a lot of coke, <laughs> very much coke, and sort of very dazed and confused, almost going to fight for the hand dryer. So she storms out the bathroom, cursing up a storm, walks over to the table, and Rongy proposes. And there's a moment where F1 restaurant turns and looks at Rongy's, like, is this is this going to happen? Is Vashon going to say yes? And she says, fuck no. And it's silent. And then she says, but I would like my Coke. And he passes the Coca-Cola to her and she's like, no, my fucking Coke, my snowflake, baby. My, my snowflake. So they get into an argument which turns quite um verbal. And Ronnie's just trying to defuse the situation. The um, police are called and Rongi tries to defuse the situation some more, but it's not really working because Vashon is also a soldier and starts fighting police officers and gets really heated. And um, it ends up her being whisked off to jail as um, how can I live without you start playing? And Rongi gets really upset. French waiter Monsieur Marseille phones up Gemma who comes to pick Rongi up. It's next morning Rongi's really hungover. And they're at a convention, and Ronnie doesn't really want to be there. He doesn't know what these Nightmare and Street movies are, but if he did, he says he'd probably rather not know. And he doesn't seem happy with Mav cosplayers opposing as a slash as serial killer. Gemma assures him it's not real, and Ronnie says oh, it feels it's real to them, and that's scared. that scares me. So they go for a burger, and they're discussing their next um, mission which they haven't really been given a lot of details on. All they know is it's called Project Garden. And for Sean to take leave, and as she's banned up, it's up to Gemma to take leave, but she needs Ronnie's head in game. He assures her his head is in game. His head is in the game EA style, and she doesn't really know what he means. So he starts trying to explain when, back in the day when you used to play John, uh, NHL 94 on Sega, and she just ignores him and calls him an idiot. Because he wasn't alive back then and he looks very sceptical and suspicious. So they go to, um, for that bit, where let's say the HQ of the Ellsbury secret government organisation. It's called Pegasus, because why not? It's called fucking Pegasus. So they go to Pegasus HQ and at Pegasus HQ they're met by Commander Gear. And he says that he's he says the lots and gears have been turning his mind all morning, and that Vashon unfortunately is going away for thirty years. Rongi seems confused and says that trial was awfully quick. And <laughs> Sergeant Gear tells him shut the fuck up, <laughs> and uh, he says we'll probably see Vashon in an hour or so, which 
<laughs> Roggy has no idea what he's talking about. Bethany seems to. Roggy doesn't really know what's going on. Everyone is talking as if they're in a movie. He's getting really concerned. So then we sure get gear brings our scientist, uh, Dr. Javert, who comes out and says that they've discovered something groundbreaking. They can enter people's dreams. And he says he's going to give the technology to Mears Harry. Gemma puts up her hand and says, why is he giving it to Mears Harry when he could literally write a ticket or patent it and be rich for the rest of his life? Sergeant Gertozo, shut the fuck up and let man talk. So Javier starts talking about how when his wife passed away, all he wanted to do was be with her again. So he said about making his machine make that possible. Gemma raises her hand and asks him what he's talking about. She's dead. You can't go to a dead person's dream. Sergeant Gertozo, shut the fuck up and ask for Gervais to continue. Gervais, who's very Samuel-like, continues, saying he's done it, he's perfected technology, and he needs to test it. And he needs to test it for the best of best. It transpires that Javé's wife died, but his daughter's still alive. But she's been in coma for five years. And the only thing they can ascertain occasionally, she'll say... One word, one word. Garden. So Javier concludes that she's being attacked by something in her subconscious and she he needs the military team going and investigate. Gemma at this point starts thinking, this is quite similar to A Nightmare in Street. Javier assures her it's not, but she points out this seems really similar. Eerily similar, and we were just. Uh, she tells them that they're just at a convention for Nightmare End Street. This is way too coincidental for them. Sergeant Gear starts turning and shut the fuck up. Gemma completes the sentence for him, and he clicks his fingers, and two military people take Gemma out there and take her away. He says that Rongi's in charge of the op- operation. Rongi tells him, I'm really hungover. I got dumped by Fashong, who turns out was a mega drug addict, and put four police officers in hostel. I'm not mentally equipped for this situation. And Sergeant Gear says that's exactly why he's equipped. Wrongy asks, how does that make any sense? And Sergeant Gear's like, shut the fuck up. You're going on this mission. But you're going on training mission first. And training mission is that they're going to go into Fashong's head and find something out. So, Ronnie and his crap team, which includes Gemma, who's come back and is suddenly cooperative. Ronnie's leading team now, which includes Gemma. Includes Gemma. Includes a man named. Includes Monsieur Massey, who turns out he's military too. Like, why, why the fuck not? So, they're there, and there's a fourth guy. <laughs> a man named. A man named Alfred, who looks. Eerily like Robert England, a fact that Gemma keeps pointing out, keeps pointing out, you look like Robert England. And his Alfred's like, no, I'm not, I'm not him. He speaks in a terrible, a Dick Van Dyke Soames accent and maintains that he's not Robert England and he's not Freddy Krueger. But when Gemma turned, when they all turn around to sort out their tech and turn back, Alfred is literally playing with 
a glove, a Freddy Krueger style glove. And when you ask him what it is, he's like, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So they're getting really, Gemma's like, do you not see what's going on? And Ronnie's like, but I thought I was the one who was meant to be unaware this was a movie. And Gemma's like, shut the fuck up. He's like, that guy's going to cause us trouble down the line. I'm telling you now. Hours time, we're going to have a problem with Alfred. Ronnie asks Gemma if she trusts him. And he, she says, no, not really, because you just went out for months and almost got engaged to a woman who was a coke addict and almost murdered half the cops in this town. Ronnie says it's fine, we'll get to it. Monsieur Marseille is with is quite protective of Alfred and says if anyone have no way, he says anyone mess with Alfred, he's gonna murder them. He's gonna murder them in a very French way. So there's tension. So they go in for Sean's mind to get the item that they need. And the item that they need is a dossier which has which would give them the location of um um shit the doctor Gervais daughter because apparently Vachon knows where daughter is inside her own subconscious I don't fucking know so breaking Vachon's mind and it's like the start of inception but with a coked up soldier named Vachon who is the head of an international crime organization and doesn't want to give them shit. Because then they discovered that Dr. Javera is tagged along. Despite the fact that he wasn't allowed to. He just shows up and says that he's the one who's going to solve this mystery. And then so he meets, they meet up with Vachon. And Vachon's like, I know what you guys are doing. Please go away. And they won't. And she's like, look, I know why you're here. Because I came up with this plan. What do you think you're going to accomplish? And then matters get worse when she points out that Dr. Javier's wife, Cynthia, is literally standing right there. She walks off and Dr. Javier follows. And Fashion's like, I don't think you understand what's going on. You're not going to succeed. At which point the lights go out. And when lights go on, Fashion is dead. Um, inside her own mind. No, not dead. She's mortally wounded. She's been stabbed numerous times. And Gemma's like, that's the, the exact number of stab wounds correlates to the number of knives on Alfred's glove. And Alfred's like, it's not me. I didn't do it. <laughs> Despite that, his blood is dripping. His glove is dripping his place. I didn't do it. Michel Marseille says, you can't accuse him of evidence. And if you do, I'll kill you. Rongi tries to marshal the team and points out that if Vachon dies while they're in her mind, they're going to die too. So Dr. so they're all trying to figure out a solution to this, and then Dr. Gervais just walks in for the dossier and goes, I have the I have the dossier. And they're like, where'd you get it from? He's like, Oh, I just my wife gave it to me. And, like, and Gemma's like, Yeah, but like, wouldn't that be tension? will we create a bit of tension? It's like, no, we gotta get on the next fair. We gotta move. So they leave Fashon's mind, and Fashon's dead as far as we know. So next they go to the hospital, and they all walk in in tactical gear, and the um, dream entering device, and they're immediately stopped by Dr. Cool Wallace, who just says to them, no, no, no. And when you ask why, he's like, you're not coming in the kids' ward. And they beg him, and it's like, you don't understand, I'm not letting you in 
this unit. This is for sick kids. I don't know any of you. I literally don't think you're carrying weapons. You're not fucking going in. This door is locked. You ain't going through it. So they leave. They leave to let Dr. Vase sort of situation out. And sit in cafeteria and drink some juice and talk about plot up to this point. About how Vachon dying was very sad. And just as they do that, fucking doors burst down. And Dr. Philip, Dr. Cornwallis is dragging Dr. Gervais across the floor. And then proceeds to beat the living shit out of him. Everyone watches as Dr. Phillips, because he's a doctor, he knows where he gets hits. He beats the fuck out of Dr. Gervais. And then our team realises they can just go into the dream. So they sneak by and they manage to get into the kids' unit and set all their tech up. And they enter into the dream of little Sophia. I think it's Sophia. I don't fucking know. Her name's Sophia for now. So they go into Sophia's dream. And all this time, Gemma's like, we really should watch what, out for Alfred. He's blatantly, blatantly Freddy Krueger. And wrong, it's like, it's, that's a movie. And also, I haven't seen that movie, so don't spoil it for me. And Gemma's begging him to perhaps consider that maybe they actually have been in dream this whole time. And now they're in a dream within dream. And Ronnie points out that's lazy storytelling because you would never know when dreams would stop. So they, st- they start into this dream and they find themselves in garden. And Gemma notes that's the title of moving, right? And, so, and um, fucking Mr. John Marseille's and Alfred are like, look, can you stop calling this movie? It's not a movie. Alfred does it in a way that suggests if it was movie, he would be nominated for Academy Award. And also starts talking about his dear departed friend, Wes. <laughs> and Gemma's like, you are literally... What are you? And he's like, oh, oh, my name's Alfred. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> so she's getting really worked up. And Ronnie's like, look, I have to overcome all my baggage. I have to do this. And Gemma's like, you're not even upset for Sean's dead. And Ronnie's like, well, technically she's not dead. We can save her. She's like, how? <laughs> also, like, if she dies in her dream... While the tech was that, Gemma gets really upset and just walks off and goes, I'm going to fucking Disneyland. So, Monsieur Marseille, Alfred, and Ronnie walk through a garden, a lovely garden. They run into a man named uh, fucking, I don't know, Joseph. And Joseph's tending garden. And he says to them, they shouldn't come here. And when they ask him why, he's like, you shouldn't come. And they keep asking, he's like, no, no, why, why are you here? No, no. And all this time he's looking at Alfred, he's like, no, get out of here. Or at least we think he's looking at Alfred. And then eventually Monsieur Marseille takes a step forward and Joseph steps back and they're like, what? And he's like, no, you leave me alone. He's like, what the fuck is going on? He's like, he leaves me alone. And they start saying, why are you singling out Marseille? And Joseph's like, well, look, just start saying, I'm not racist, but just saying. Mitchell Massey's like, what the fuck is going on? And then he starts realising, oh no. And the other two don't realise. And so I, I know what's going on. This little kid, this Sophia, she's racist. And they're like, what? She's, she's got racist subcultures. 
And Bookshaw and Marseille is like, why didn't we do any research? This I'm the last person who should be here. Because I've already set the subconscious and they're like, he's like, I know it's, it's not my fault. No, she's racist. But it's really a mistake on so many levels. Especially because I was undercover as a waiter. I literally had the job to do as a waiter to crack a crime syndicate. And you put me in this fucking racist little kid's dream. And Joseph keeps keeps saying, look, we, what if I give you some money? And safe's like, go fuck yourself. And Joseph starts crying and then disappears. And ground starts shaking. And everyone's like, oh, fuck. And then Ronnie's like, what? Look. The kid's aware that we're in dream. Their subconscious has alerted her. It's now conscious. So ground starts shaking violently. And they see something in distance. A man in the familiar garb with the hats and the face and the gloves and the jumper. And Alfred, they turn around and Alfred's gone. And Ronnie's like, you know, maybe Gemma is right. As Jim comes around the corner, a bunch of stuff from Disneyland goes, no shit, I was like, that is Frey Krueger. We're in a dream within dream. And Michelle Marseille just comes out and says, if we're in a dream within dream, why is this dream so racist? And Rong and Gemma look really nervous and go, we don't feel comfortable discussing this. It's, I think we should discuss it, he starts. This is really racist. This is, he's like, I'm out. He takes, gear, he takes gear off and disappears. <laughs> and Gemma and Ronnie left and they're like, I don't understand. There's a flooring, I think. The skies turn red, lightning everywhere. The cra- And then it suddenly stops and comes to happy. And Joseph reappears and that's like, everyone just met. So, hello, how are you? Welcome to Sophia's head. And Gemma's like, you racist piece of shit. And Joseph is like, well, don't, don't shout at me. I, I, just, I just want to make Sophia great again. <laughs> <laughs> Gemma's like I know this is a bad idea Ronnie's like what as Gemma pulls out a machete and stabs Joseph in the gut Joseph screams blood gushes everywhere and Ronnie throws up because it's so disgusting and Gemma's like I hate racist people and she guts she guts Joseph and Joseph dies but as he looks so he goes one, two, he's coming for you. And then she looks up and there's a bunch of blonde haired Aryan children jumping rope, singing song. Gemma's like, oh fuck. And she looks to the side and she sees in distance Frey Kruger and he scratches it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he does his run. He starts running towards them. They're like, holy shit. Frey Kruger runs towards them. Gets to them, stops, bats up, jumps in the air, does a spin, and goes, Welcome to the new nightmare, love. <laughs> Gemma and Ronnie are like, this is so strange. So they ask Fred what he's doing in Sophia's mind, and Fred tells them they got trapped there. When they say, well, how do you get trapped there? He's like, I'm not the bad guy of this story, but I can take you to him. And Gemma's like, it's Alfred, isn't it? And Frederick's like, no, no, it's not. So Rocky says, it's Alfred, isn't it? And Frederick's like, yes, yes, it is. He's the bad guy, not me. I've never done anything wrong. And Gemma's like, look, if the movies are even partially true, 
you not only murdered kids, but when they remade it, you actually became pedophiles. And Freddy's like, no, that wasn't me. That was the other one. That was Rorschach, Jackie L. Haley, Robert England, Freddy. I'm a good man. And they're like, well, what's different? And Rob England goes, oh, you, you know, like, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, well, there's, there's three Freddies. There's, there's me, there's him, and there's another one. And you're like, it's Alfred, isn't it? He's like, no, no, it's not. No, it's not Alfred. I'm just like, it's Alfred, isn't it? Yes, yes, oh, there's three of us. Oh, it's, it's so awkward. Whose dream are we in? You're in Sophia's dream. Yes, but clearly this isn't actually real. Because you're a movie character. So whose dream are we in? Uh, whose dream were we originally in? Oh, Alfred's. Why were we in Alfred's dream? We were trying to find him. Why? He's worse than either of us. How can he be worse? You're a murderer. <laughs> the other one's a murderer and pedophile. How can he be worse? Oh. He's, he's the worst of all of us. How is he? She's oh, a Republican. Gemma's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Ronnie's like, you know, I do understand that. Gemma points out, why do you understand that? What is going on? He's like, well, he's, he's, he's a Republican. They're the worst. They're the evilest people. He wants to make. Frey points out that the other one wants to make dreams great again. It's like, that's not anything. Oh. So Gemma says, okay, explain to me how Sophia's messed up in this. She's a racist. Yeah, and she's perfect. She's a perfect patsy. How is she a patsy? And, Ro- and Frey Kruger, the original, was like, oh, I have to go. Because he looks up and he sees um, the other Frey Kruger, Jack and Haley's like, oh, I'm fucking kill you. He's like, please, oh, I just want to I, I torture teenagers. Oh, I'll torture them. Anyways, you can't imagine. Oh, look, there's, there's, there's rules. Frey Kruger is not a pedophile. Oh, well, not you, not your Freddy, because you're weak. Freddy's like, no, it doesn't make me weak. It, you're literally worse than I ever was. And for no reason, needlessly, you don't even have a sense of humour. And Gemma wrong here, like, what? the fuck have we found ourselves in as Alfred appears and says um, oh, is it my dream go away go down the level and you're like what and Alfred clicks his fingers and uh, our characters move and they appear in Alfred's dream and it's like what, what the fuck is going on Alfred's dream is essentially in America where Fred, Freddy Krueger's president um, Gemma and, and young Freddies are homeless war veterans who don't remember being Freddy, but one remembers being a murderer and the other remembers being peaceful. But that's all they remember. And they, they asked by Gemma and Ronnie when they find Dragged Down, you guys look the same. You really are the same person. They're like, no, no, it's slightly different. See, I murder teenagers. He's a peaceful. Again, who would make this movie? So they get into they get into an argument over what's worse, and Gemma and Roger are like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then they look up and they see um, Monsieur Marseille there, and Monsieur Marseille is like, 
Really, you found me shit. Why? It like look. Sophia's dream. We're not going back there. We know this is the. We know this is a dream now. That was dream thing dream. He's like really. Is like because this isn't much better. Look at this shit. And they cut to the TV. And there's a Frey Krueger, the Alfred Frey Krueger on TV with orange hair. He's talking about um. <laughs> how he's gonna make dreams great again and then go shit i mean america i'm gonna make america great again also england because we're in england too <laughs> but say, it's like it's not better i would rather hang out for the racist kid subconscious than this fuckhead and then alfred appears and alfred's like but we were friends he's like you just went on tv and said to me that all black people and all black french people are lazy ignorant human beings you know that's not true because we're friends and you know that's not true because that's racist why are you saying it because it'll get me elected this is a dream mate it's literally a dream you don't have to be a racist politician in a dream you choose to be and he's like no and then points to the opposite why are you here and they're like well, what do you mean so you're a pedophile he's a murderer and Jeb's like well, we fucking get it we get there's a difference between two three groups we don't understand why we're here. We don't know what's going on. This started because we're trying to save Dr. Gervais' kid, who turns out to be a racist. We haven't seen Dr. Gervais in 40 minutes of screen time. What is going on? Wrong. He's like, oh, I just want to go home. He's like, I'm just going to go to sleep. Like, no, no, see, wrong. You have to wake up, get out of a dream. But we don't want you to wake up because we need you. We need to stop this shit. He's like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to lie down. Don't lie down. Why? Because if you go to sleep in a dream, you'll die. He's like, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, Nothing makes fucking sense. This whole story doesn't make any goddamn sense. And Jeffrey's like, that's it. If this story doesn't make any sense, then the only sense it can make is sense we make. Gemma's like, and Faye's like, what? And she's like, Gemma looks at the sky and goes, reboot. In phrase stuck in rescale. No, no, not that, not that. Reboot. No, no. The original phrase starts crying, goes, No, look, I I only got near a dozen movies. I need more Robert Englund. I, I can't do cameos and Goldbergs anymore. I can't do it. I I won't. I'm iconic. The other three goes, Look, I got I got my shot. I got one shot. And I they, they won't let me take it. They're gonna make me beautiful. Please, please don't don't Deny me my shot. And Alfred's like, oh, I'll be fucking person free. Wouldn't that be great? Gemma's, and all for them in use, they like, no, that's shit idea. And Gemma's like, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. She clicks her heels together three times. <laughs> and then she wakes up in her bed next to Ronnie. And she's like, well, is this real life? I guess. Oh. And she goes about her day. And she's like, it's a bit shit, isn't it? Because she's just, it's just boring. She's not even a soldier. She's just unemployed and playing on the Xbox all day. Like, for example, she'll call a young kid a, a stupid cunt. <laughs> and Ronnie's unemployed and Fashon is a uh, local drug dealer who waters down supply. And Ronnie, Gemma's like, this isn't real life, is it? And Ronnie's like, no, no, it is. He's like, but but then you dreamed the dream I dreamed, and he's like, I did, but it just seems far fetched. We watched that move way too many times. So they go to the real life Frey convention, 
And she's like, no, this doesn't make any sense. Why would Freddy Krueger have convincing hairspray? What about Dr. Bay? What about Sophia? And Ronnie's like, look, it's just dreams don't make sense. He's like, it was like a movie. It's like, well, yeah, but sometimes movies drop plot flesh. It's like, they literally, if this was a movie, they dropped the main plot thread for no reason. And now it's just a bunch of shit happening. And she goes, but I can go back there. He's like, how? And she pulls out a switchblade. It's like, please don't. And she's like, no, no, it's the suicide pact. Ronnie's like, I really don't want to commit suicide. No, it's okay, we'll wake up in dream. And Ronnie's like, the dream was shit. It's like, we'll wake up in better dream. You don't know we'll wake up in better dream. And Gemma looks up and she sees F. Dr. Vader and Sophia and they wave and go, join us, Gemma. Come play with us forever and ever. And Ronnie, she points them out and Ronnie's like, there's no one there, Gemma. She's like, no, no, they're right there. He's like, there's no one fucking there. Now, Ronnie looks, and on his side, he sees the three Freddies, and they're like, come play with us, Ronnie, forever and ever. And the second phrase says, we'll make you a child, and we'll play with you forever. And the other two are like, look, Freddy Krueger's not a pedophile, okay? He murders teenagers, he's not a pedophile. You're really ruining things, especially because two minutes ago, you said you didn't want to be a pedophile anymore. Now you're actually embracing it, and he's like, well... It's all this fucking phrase. It's all this version Freddy Krueger's got. So I might as well go for it. <laughs> and the um, wrong he's like, oh, what? do you see them? Gemma's like, no, I see these. She sees the happy option. He's like, Gemma, I literally think they're beckoning you up to heaven. And they're beckoning me down below. She's like, what? Down below? She's like, yeah. She's like, what? Where Eddie went? She's like, yeah, where Eddie went. They're gonna take me down below. And Gemma's like. I think which chances I really don't. And also, how would you get heaven? You commit suicide. But Gemma's already slit her wrist and she's playing out on the sideboard. And Ronnie's like, "Oh my god!" He he watches her die. And then he thinks and stops and thinks and goes, "I'm probably going to be implicated in her death." So then he takes the wrist blade, slits his wrist, and he dies too. And as they both fall down. The scene changes to an empty graveyard where they died in real life. But they actually died in dream because it turns out Switchblade was Freddy Krueger. Freddy laughs and then shot pulls up and reveals Nancy, Heather Lankham's character from the movie. She's there. She shakes her head and goes, you won again, Freddy. And Freddy goes, I'm going to keep winning. I'll always win because I'm the devil and you're... I'm dark and you're good. I'm devil, you're an angel. And Nancy goes, it only ends once, Freddy. Effing up demands progress. And Freddy's like, not progress isn't being a pedophile. Nancy laughs and goes, oh, Freddy. She puts her hand round shoulders. He puts his arm round hers. And they walk off together into the sunset. The eternal struggle marches on. Nancy versus Freddy. Right. Um, I'm going to re review this in a second because... Uh, was not how I intended story go, but that's how it went. So if you bear with me a few seconds, and then I'll be back to the review of the movie, fictional movie recap. So yeah, that, um, the guard and the tale free Freddy's. I that kind of went places I wasn't expecting, but I think we can all agree a scene of um. 
the two cinematic Freddy Kruegers arguing over the rules of um, being Freddy and the original saying they have one rule, just one, which is Freddy Krueger is not a pedophile. It's definitely an interesting way of doing the sequel. Um, I imagine Dr. Venge, Sophia were going to be bigger characters, but then the idea of Sophia being a racist uh, and Alfred hiding in her dream and Alfred also being racist and them accusing Alfred of being Freddy Krueger and him denying it, despite the fact that he's obviously one of the Freddies and a dream within dream. And finding out it was a dream within dream within dream. And at the end... Um, it might have been dream within dream within dream within dream because Freddy and Nancy were there and they beckoned, uh, beckoning people off to heaven or hell and apparently Freddy was posing as a switchblade. I don't know, but that's a part from this particular feature and it's going to be a feature on more episodes next year. I, I don't think it's good as last one. I don't think anything's going to top the madness of um, Once Upon a Time on Brett Street, but... I thought it was like a season finale one that was quite good. Got 32 minutes out of it. And I think it's definitely enough there for a nightmare movie. Um, yeah, so that was good. And also it's fun to put out there. Because I've had that idea for ages. But I haven't never had time to write it as a script. So it's finding some way to put out online. And hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm just going to take a quick break now. And then I will go over some of the stuff that we'll be expecting in the new series. So I'll catch you in just a second. Yeah, so 2019 then. This podcast is obviously changing to Friday Night Fright. And what that means in terms of content is that in theory you're going to get each week you're going to get me doing a live recap of an episode of Hangwell TV show. And then I'm going to be doing half of a movie recap each week. The movie recap's going to be spread out over two weeks, sometimes more. Um, roughly speaking, uh, they'll be about half an hour, 45 minutes in length each. I'm doing it that way because I find a lot of times with movies, I can do um, uh, a fun sort of recap of it, but I find them out doing a whole movie each week can be quite tiring on top of other stuff. And I really want to do handball recaps, but I don't want them to be at the expense of movies. So this is going to make movie stuff feel more fun to have more time to do it, hopefully. So I'm going to start off with handball season one. So that's going to take us through to the first podcast special of the year, which is, um, oh, I need to check. It's actually no, it's it's Slasher Mania. That's gonna be first podcast special. That's gonna be in March or April. I'm not sure exactly when yet. That's gonna be a um um classic slasher movie, I guess. Um it's gonna be good because I love slasher movies. And then in June it's gonna be um the roulette wheel of death, I think. Which is gonna be uh I'm gonna have six movies to choose from. And I'm going randomly um, uh, select, use a randomizer to select one, and then I'll record that live on air. So that'll be fun. I mean, I'll probably do that um, in a kickoff show the week, a Friday before it. And then do a little bit on each movie. And then at the end of it, I'll like a little bit of description, a little bit of what I think movie's going to entail. And then um, at the end of that little bit, I'll do that little um, wheel turn thing. Um, new features next year. 
Uh, if it works out, I bust a friend on occasion to provide updates on her own work. If if timing works out, that's going to be a feature every now and again. Um, it's going to be bottle episodes and limitless episodes. I think I might merge them with the weekly one because I'm hoping to stick to one episode a week as much as possible. Which incidentally is why things like special to kick off shows and post shows are being those episodes rather than um, specials because I think it's more honest, you know. And also, there's only so much content you can take at one time. Um, another feature I'm going to be adding is porn or movie, which is going to be me guessing whether it's a movie or porn. Sometimes the line blurs a bit. And yeah, apart from that, I mean, I've got lots of ideas for the future. I want, want to be a King's Place com comedy thing at some point, um, because that would be a perfect place to make up a movie. Because uh, roughly time length and do a little QA. I want to get to Avatar and Avarice with which is the coolest horror festival. Um, and eventually the Ellsbury one. Don't know if that'll happen this year, but that's a long term goal. More sponsorship and just better content, really. And at the same time, announcing here, I am going to try and make my own movie next year. So there'll be some updates on this podcast about that on occasion, which I'm very pumped about because I. I don't think they say I want to make movies. It's not why I'm doing this podcast, though. I'm doing this podcast because I love talking about movies and I love interacting with people. Um, there's going to be no comic book reviews on this podcast from now on. Um, they switch over to Monday Night Crisis, which is my own comic book one, which will be launching on New Year's Day. And henceforth... Um, or New Year's Eve, I don't know. Well, no, New Year's Eve, that's it. So, yeah, this is going to be um, horror-based stuff, like movies and TV, and occasionally a bit of news. Um, and hopefully, if it works out, I'd like to do a few interviews this year too. I think they can make good episodes of the show. Really, I just want to make season two better than season one. Um, I've really enjoyed season one, but it's been great, but I think I can do a lot better in season two. Well, thank everyone for tuning in over this year. It's been an amazing year. And this is the last episode of Friday Night Shudder ever. And the next episode, the first episode of Friday Night Fright will go up next week and will be a continuation um, numbers-wise. But that'll be stuff season two. But season one's been great. It's been one of the best things in my life over the last couple of months. And I cannot wait to see it grow next year. Uh, I'd like to say thanks again to Shudder for all of their support. Um, and I wish them where you're going in future. I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in. Um, the friends who promoted this. And the 799 hits, which is brilliant. Um, the advice from the RSW guys. Um, I'd also like to thank the guys at the Downtown Podcast for liking bunch of tweets now we're talking podcast being flat bros and just read really anyone who's supported this at any point because you don't have to support shit and i really appreciate it we move on bigger and better things next year this is going to be the year of friday night fright so for me at friday night shudder signing off and i will see you next week friday night fright and remember life is beautiful